Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. With producer Sanaa Marie. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Hi all, I am Frida Crump with Miss Crumpies and I do all things food, from food trucks to product development, and I am hanging with Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Hello, it's the Verbally Effective Podcast. Um, Ina Esco, double A. Um, thank you. This is Cal Dwight. Tune in. Hello, I'm Marcus Turner. I'm verbally effective because I have over 20 years in the insurance industry and I am an insurance guru and I have a passion for helping others to become just as successful. Marcus T. Turner is originally from Indianola, Mississippi and is the agency owner of Marcus T. Turner and Associates. Marcus started his career with Liberty National Life Insurance Company in 2000 and quickly made a name for himself within the industry. In 2011, he founded Marcus T. Turner & Associates, a firm that specializes in financial services as well as personal lines of property, casualty, and business insurance. Within a five-year period, he grew to three locations, writing over $8 million in premiums, putting him at the top 1% within Allstate. Due to his rapid success and over two decades of experience in the financial services and insurance industry, Marcus started his own consultant firm to assist other financial services and insurance agencies on how to grow, manage, and develop teams with strong leadership skills. He is committed to educating his community on the basic fundamentals of legacy continuance and management of their everyday risk while helping them to protect all of their most valuable assets and developing agency owners to do the same. Marcus is the proud husband of Dr. Dina Turner, founder of the Cairo Place, and they have two amazing sons, Justin and McAllen. Verbally Effective, your double E, Ina Esco here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode 144 of the Verbally Effective podcast. Hope you guys are doing well today and check this out. I have some awesome news. Verbally Effective has been chosen to go through the first round of South by Southwest 2021 voting. This year, it's virtual, right? And, you know, we, we were invited last year. However, COVID, you know, ended that dream. However, we are continuing our path for South by Southwest. So that means we need your votes, ladies and gentlemen. You can, all, you can go to my uh social media platforms at Ina Esco, E-N-A-E-S-C-O. Click the link for the South by Southwest voting panel picker. 
and vote for Verbally Effective to go to the next round to get the invite for the 2021 virtual South by Southwest. So let's get it started today. I have an amazing gentleman with me. Um, I've seen him all over Memphis uh, during my time here. And he is a guru at insurance, right? He is an expert at this point. He is the founder of Marcus T. Turner and Associates and now Turnkey Enterprises. Welcome, welcome, Marcus. How are you? Thank you super well. How are you this morning? I am wonderful. Thank you for joining me today on the Verbally Effective Podcast. We are so interested in your journey, Marcus. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. Yes. And so we're going to get it started. You know, usually I say, what part of Memphis are you from? But I know that you are not originally from Memphis. So tell everybody where you are originally from, Marcus. Well, first of all, I would like to thank you all for making Memphis feel like home. Yes. I am a country Southern gentleman from Indianola, Mississippi, the wow. same hometown of B.B. King. And actually, I still do reside in, in Mississippi. You do? Oh, yeah. You're uh, an OB, right? Yes. Okay. So you're a country boy, Mississippi yes. boy. So tell yes. me about Indianola. I don't know much about Indianola, Mississippi. Um, very small town where when I was growing up, I think we had one or two traffic lights. Um, three that's stop lights. Yes, that's small. Okay, okay. Um, maybe two traffic lights. We had a Walmart. Um, very small to a point where even if you purchase a new car on Friday, the whole community Everybody knew. Know. <laughs> right. you, um, got a traffic ticket. It was in the newspaper. And still in Mississippi, in Indianola, there's still a railroad where it separates the whites and the blacks as far as the side. Yes, it's still a, a railroad that separates. So we usually would say the white folks side or the black folks side. But of course, with um, it being 2020, those things have changed as far as with the community being more uh, integrated and much more diverse. Wow, interesting. So what was Marcus interested in and involved in at a young young boy what were you into Marcus what did you you know like to do and you know when you were a little boy what did you want to be uh just a truck driver actually okay truck driver because my dad he's uh well all the men in my family my dad my dad my grandfathers my uncles all of them was were very hard workers and my dad was a uh, truck driver he was a uh, contractor, and he also was a DJ. A DJ. So I, a DJ, and I started actually DJing at an early age of eleven. Wow! Wait a minute. I had to unload his equipment to DJing, actually knowing what to play and how to work my Technique twelve hundreds, and um, I, enjoy, I think I enjoyed it just as much as anything. Wow! What was your dad's DJ name? DJ Super Cool. DJ, super cool. Okay. Wow. So he kind of DJed different events around Indianola at the time. Like neighborhood facilities, um, like um, rodeos, because he also rode motorcycles. And um, yes, birthdays, uh, anniversaries. So he DJed every Friday and Saturday. And then we did the rodeos every Sunday. 
Wow. I love rodeos. I'm a Texas girl. I grew up with rodeos. I, I love them. I miss them. Um, you know, we only get a, what the, uh, what is it? What is it called that comes to Memphis once a year that used to come the uh, black rodeo? Black rodeo. Yes. Yes. So, um, interesting Marcus. Wow. Are you, uh, the only child? Do you have any siblings? Actually, um, I do. I have um, a sister that that she just went home to be with the Lord on September 11th, and we are actually at the same birthday, okay. and that's June the 22nd by my mother. She had two kids, same birthday, seven years apart. Wow. And I also have a, uh, another sibling, a little brother, Rodarius, and also a little sister. Uh, her name is India, so it's four of us total. Okay, four. Okay, four of you all total. Okay, so Marcus, when you were in high school, what were those grades looking like? Um, about average, you know, uh, B, C's. I <laughs> home. My mom cooked, and, and you would have thought it was my birthday. Yeah, but um, mostly B, C's. Okay, yeah. I okay. talked a lot. Never really studied. Just kind of, you know, went with the flow. Go with the flow. Ready for the next level, right? Well, just talking. I, I talk a lot. I, I never forget. I, I was in the, the 12th grade. Actually, I sat by one of my teachers. She told me, she said, you'll never make money doing all that talking. Hmm. You proved her wrong. <laughs> yeah, and she's actually my favorite teacher. Even when I graduated, I would go back and see her because she really gave me tough love. That's yeah. the only teacher I went by to see. Yeah, yeah. She, she told me that I would never make money doing all this talking wow and, and you need that mouth in this insurance game don't you you sure do because you actually have to paint a picture because people we live we have so much going on on a day-to-day -day basis it's hard to project our retirement yeah. it's hard to project um when we're no longer here and our family have a need for income but you know your income is is dead as well and we just have to paint a picture as if you're Picasso and just really paint a picture of how life would be from a financial standpoint if your income dies with you. Right, right. And you know what? I, I, I tried to get into the insurance game at one point. And you know, there are so many companies that you can start yeah. off with. I was a little discouraged. So yeah. I, I didn't continue it, but that is something that I am still interested in. I have some family members that are in insurance. And what's, you know, exciting is the money, <laughs> the money, <Yeah. laughs> there is so much yeah. money, but you got to put that work in, you got to oh put God. that work in. You have to. Yes. And I know, you know, all about the work, but before we jump into the insurance piece of your life, let's talk about yeah. your college days. Where did you go to college? Start off as um, a machine tech operator at MDCC. And I didn't like it because I, I would get my, my clothes dirty. You know, it's like a machinist, because I did that in high school as well, and then went to accounting tech, where it was a accounting technical program where you got an accounting degree. Mm -hmm. And then um, I went to Alabama A&M, which is located in Huntsville, Alabama. Okay. And um, I did not finish. Of course, okay. I told you that I got, I ran <laughs> out because of the life insurance industry. Oh, wow. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. You are a machinist. Then you went to accounting uh, tech, you said? Accounting tech? Yes, uh, community college. Okay. And then Alabama A&M. What made you make that transition uh, to Alabama A&M at that point in your life? 
I knew a friend that went and they were just telling me, man, Alabama is not like you think it is. Alabama is cool. And I was like, man, Alabama is worse than Indianola when it comes to um, segregation. And I went there and the first thing I noticed, I saw like kids, like 14 and 15 hanging out with uh, blacks and whites hanging out. And coming from Indianola, the only person I knew that hung around um, someone of a different race was my mother, which is my godmother, Jane Weatherby's, which was a divorce attorney. And they've had a 30 plus year relationship. Other than that, you know, I've never seen blacks and whites just hanging out. And I said, man, this city is, is cool. So the next thing you know, that was around July and August, I was there. Wow. How did you like it? I loved it. You know, coming from the country, uh, let me let me put it to you like this. The people were more polished. Okay. There were more to do. Mm-hmm. You know, Indianola, you pull up at Double Quick, you get some beer and some Hennessy, <laughs> you get on the truck, and you watch the cars pass by. And, yeah. you know, some places you really couldn't go to because they weren't really safe. Mm-hmm. Because one thing I'm a firm believer of is listening to the wise words of my mother. She'll say, hey, you need to go to this club, you know, this, that, well, mama... Well, you ain't going to hear anything about me in the middle of the night happening at the club because I'm not going to be there. Right. And, you know, Alabama, man, it, it, it was just filled with different people of different cultures. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the same people that I grew up with that I've been knowing all my life. Uh, guys that came from different backgrounds, New York, uh, Texas, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And it was just uh, an amazing experience. Wow. How long were you there? Um, about a year. Okay. And so... Almost two semesters. Okay, I need to know why it was only almost two semesters. What happened, Marcus? Met, met some guys. Well, I knew one guy from, from my hometown. His name is Shannon Brown, which um, recruited me in the insurance industry because I was selling mix CDs. Look at my you on your hustle game early. Hey, one, one for 12, two for 20. The okay. goal was to sell 60 between Thursday and Saturday at noon. I usually run out. He said, man, you can sell CDs, man. You can sell some insurance. I'm like, sell insurance, you know I'm Red Lane, man, selling insurance. And he showed me his check. It was like $1,500. I, I thought it was like every two weeks. I said, man, I'll make this in a week. And, and uh, I said, I'll make uh, half that in a week. He said, no, this is a week. Wow. And I started with him, and about three weeks into the insurance industry, I, had ne- I never sold another CD. Wow. Interesting. So he had you sold, right? Sold. <laughs> sold and stamped. So you, you threw the deuces to Alabama A&M. And what was your first step in the insurance game, Marcus? Uh, first step was I moved back home. I packed all of my things in my uh, Mustang. I had a convertible Mustang. I had everything packed in there. My speakers in my room and everything. My first step was uh, coming back home to my mother's house and starting with Liberty National. And what did I your mom say, though? What did your mom say? Come on in, Sue. Come on in, baby. <laughs> mama, I, I'll never forget my mom and my sister's face when I was leaving Alabama, when I was leaving home, going to Alabama a and They just stood by the door crying. Oh. Yeah, and uh, I did not tell her that I was coming back. So when she came home from work and saw my car, I told her I'd move back home. And that was um, an amazing day. I still can remember her smiling and crying. So she was happy to you that you came back home. Yes, okay. extremely happy. It seems like you and your mom are very close. Yeah, we, we are uh, very close. And I have a great relationship with my father as well. But I think one of the things that really mended in our, my mother's and our relationship was 
my mother and father um, got a divorce when I was around 11. Mm. And when he left, uh, when it didn't work out, and he left them, it was on my mom, me, my mom, and my sister. It always was this deal where at an early age, I never took for granted her kindness. Yeah. And when I first, when I got my first job, I never forget. My mama asked me to uh, let her borrow $60, even though I would chop cotton growing up at age like 10 and 11. But when I started getting a job where it paid me a consistent check, my mother would borrow money from me and I would never get it back. And I thought my mother had money <laughs> because we never went without. Right. I said we never went without, and I didn't know until I got older that it's a lot of days that she went without eating mm. and never told me no for anything. And my mother and I, we truly, my mother, myself, and my sister, we went through a lot that my sister and I didn't know about until we got older. Because I would think about some things, we would go down to my grandmother's house and, you know, come back the next day because of life, maybe I got disconnected. And uh, certain things like that made me realize that my mother, how much she truly loved us. And that's why even to this day, there's no way possible. My household with my wife and my kids meet state. My mom meet Spain. My mom, she goes everywhere with us. Out of country, if we go, I don't care where it is, airline ticket or we drive, my mother's always here with us. And mama always going. Yes. Mama, mama rolling. I understand. I know she, yes. you know, she loves to travel, right? Yes. And she don't want to go anywhere. Or even when we go to dinner. And uh, she said, I could have cooked this. I could have cooked. Y'all spend all this money because mama, mama loves to cook. <laughs> you know what? Ain't nothing like a mama from Mississippi that cook. Because my mother-in-law, baby, anything she cook good. Do you hear me? Anything yeah. she cook is delicious. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Amazing. I'm glad that, you know, you have a very close-knit relationship with your mom. That's very special. Um Getting back to the insurance side, I heard you say that you started at Liberty? Liberty National, yes. Liberty National. So how was it jumping into the industry uh, of insurance? Uh, was it an easy segue for you or did you have any challenges? Um, no, the only challenge was something that, that was because of lack of education. And the only challenge I had was not knowing how money truly works. Okay. As far as making the money, I had a friend, again, his name is Shannon Brown. He taught me the hustling side as far as how many people to contact. The magic numbers contact at least 25 people a day. And then my mentor, still mentor from a family business and also godly aspect, his name is Cedric Higgins. He taught me the organization side. Okay. How when you bring the bear back to the village, how to dissect it, how to preserve it how to cook it, how to cut it. So he taught me how to deal with a client once I brought the client to the boardroom. Mm, you know what? Um, sales can be kind of intimidating for some because what I do know with my experience with sales, you know, some people get discouraged when they hear no, right? It's right. like in sales, you're going to go through a lot of no's to get through to that yes, finally, right? Yes. So, um, you know, I, I heard you mention early on in the pod that your teacher said that you were a talker. So, you know, I really feel like you really got to have the gift of gab to be like an excellent person in sales. Would you agree with me or no? Well, I do agree with you. And the reason why is because you have to truly be unapologetic, apologetic about your knowledge and your craft. 
because some people kind of shy away from what they should say because they don't want to uh, offend the client, but you just have to be real. You have to tell them, say, hey, you don't have, you have $50,000 the insurance and you're paying $2,500 a month on this home. You have $3,000 uh, other bills. Dude, this, this $50,000 I put in on, which is $35,000 left, is going to do more harm to your wife and kids than it will help. This won't take them seven months. Wow. Wow. Now, what would you say to people that think that they don't need insurance? Because there's a lot of people out there, especially uh, the type of insurance um, for when someone passes, you know, um, I would have thought that, you know, that type of insurance would spike due to the pandemic. Have right. you seen it spike or is it at a even level or, you know, tell me about that piece of it. Well, two things. When it's chaos, it creates a sense of urgency. Meaning if a person had someone that close to, hit close to home to pass, the next thing you know, you get about seven phone calls within a two-day period. And within, and it's on a Thursday, so by that Tuesday, they feel invincible again. They don't want to talk about it. Because oh. then it was a sense of urgency because they hit close to home, they said, this can be me. But I always tell people this, insurance is not a racial thing it's not a educational thing it's a love thing meaning i don't buy it because i think they may need it i don't buy it because i have a master degree or a doctorate degree i buy it because i love my family mm. if you truly want to know how much somebody love you ask them for their declaration pages to their life insurance <laughs> program wow yeah yes. interesting so marcus how did you begin Marcus T. Turner and Associates. How did you, you know, actually take that leap while in the insurance business? I was with a company called Liberty National for 10 years. And um, they purchased the phone lines, the utilities were in their name, the lease were in their name, and my um, district area closed due to the company downsizing. They spiked it up, made it microwave, make, made a microwave success, and they also compressed it. So at that point, and I'll never forget getting my things out of my office. I said, no one will never be able to fire me or demote me again. Mm -hmm. Never. I will never have my lease in another company's name. I will never have my utilities in anyone else's name where they can come and tell me, you're gone. Mm -hmm. And lock the door. And that's when I started Marcus T. Turner and Associates. Wow. Because they trusted me to run a district where well, I had two offices then, why not bet on myself? Yes. That time is when I started having my own uh, agencies as far as open up offices where I will only do a contract with a company. Mm -hmm. I won't work for another company. Yes. Write my check. They don't pay me. I have a contract with you. And at that point, I wanted my own to pass on, to truly pass on to my kids. I didn't want them sitting across the desk from someone asking them for a job to help them. I want, them to, I want them to be sitting on the other side of the table. Yes. Now, when you started your own business, uh, did you face any challenges? Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, and the, the thing about it is when you have people that's working for an organization and commission only, it's different. It is what it is. You bring people in, you train them effectively, and you try your best to mentor them and to also um, develop them. But when, when the money's coming out of your pocket, 
you look at every person as a team member or someone in the stands. So mm-hmm. staff is always the biggest obstacle that an entrepreneur face because you have to think about it. If you put $100 in the cash register and it's been eight hours and you only have $20 left, that's a bad return on your investment. Yeah. You have, you, you've had an 80% loss for that day when you wanted a 20% gain. Mm-hmm. Is that why there's so much turnover um, with associates, I guess? With- Absolutely. Yeah. I, I recruit more and I also let more go. Oh, is that hard for you to let them go or it is what it is? No, actually, it, it's, it's the best deal for all parties. Mm-hmm. Because if your main objective is to serve the client, even before I think about commission or renewals or my total income, my main objective is to take care of my client. So uh, a lot of people fail for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Number one, they think about money, which make them compromise on doing things the ethical way. Number two, it is a tough job. You know, you have to talk to people about something they should already have anyway. Yeah. But the easy part was coming from Indianola, where it's more poverty, where the median household income is well under 30. Wow. Meaning that, yes, Ms. Johnson needed it. Yes, she understood the value, but she didn't have the means of income to purchase what she needed. Yeah. When I made a transition to Jackson, Mississippi, it was easier. When I made a transition to Memphis, it was much easier because it was so hard in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. So you were baptized by the fire. You had to figure it out. <laughs> yes, Lord. I, I'll never forget um, sales manager, Cedric Higgins. He took me in a convenience store. He said, I don't want you to talk to number white folks. I said, number white folks? Oh. I said, what? I'm thinking to myself, well, but he, he always said I was ignorance on fire. I always did exactly what he asked me to do. So I went and I said, man, I got four people to call. He said, they white. I said, yeah, you told me to talk to them white, bro. <laughs> he said, oh. He said, okay. Because he wanted me to get used to, to no's. Mm-hmm. And again, coming from Indianola, Mississippi, is something where you don't see. Do you find that there's a disparity with whites buying more insurance than blacks? Absolutely not. Okay. And you know, the thing about it is, you would think that other races have their things more, have things more together from a financial standpoint. And they don't. <laughs> no, it, it, it's not a race. It, it's more so of um, economic. And also, uh, yeah, it, it depends on, on their social status. Mm, wow. You know yeah. what? There's nothing more sad than when someone passes away and there was no insurance and the family is scrambling to get the money together to bury this person. So I I know that you've dealt with a lot of, you know, sad situations in this business. Wow. And the the worst part is when a person is ill and they're, they're going through a terminal illness and when that person has passed and you've talked to this person for years and years and years and years, on the importance of life insurance. And when death occurs, it's too late. Yeah, it's too late. Wow. Now, let me ask you this. Do you, okay, how does this work? When someone commits suicide, but they have an insurance policy, will it still hold up or no? Or are there, I guess, something in the fine print maybe that sometimes it will, sometimes it won't? 
Okay. I always tell people this. I'm not a um, claims professional. <laughs> but I always like to say it because some people say, well, you told me this. It's, it's a contestability um, clause where if a life insurance policy goes two years, it cannot be contested. Meaning that if someone knows they're going to commit suicide in 2000 and they wait until 2022, they have a strong willpower. Mm. Or a person may have a pre-existing disease or a terminal illness. If they can get that policy through underwriting, uh, they have two years before it can be contested. But if it's two years and one day, nothing can be done about it. The funds are paid. Again, I'm not a claim Interesting. Yes. I, I've always wondered that, especially with, you know, um, a lot of these, I guess, celebrities, um, um, what was his name? Not Weinstein, um, the other guy that was involved with all the pedophilia, then he got arrested and uh, he was killed or did he commit suicide? I've, I've always wondered that, like these rich folks that commit suicide. I'm like, I wonder if the family gonna get that policy or not since they committed suicide. Wow. Over two years, yes. Interesting, interesting, wow. Okay, so let's talk about COVID. How has COVID affected the in uh, insurance industry markets and specifically your business? Um, of course. Initially, it was this thing where let's run, 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 run to a corner. Don't come near me. Don't talk to me. But the, the funny part of it is our business is about, I would say, 98% virtual where we may do a Zoom or meet with the client via email or text, and they will rarely come into the agency. I, I don't see clients until our annual Christmas party. Really? So, uh, hmm? That was before COVID? Before COVID. Wow, you already had the virtual platform set up, huh? <laughs> I texted to you, emailed you. So from that standpoint, it didn't stop. But the second part is business increased because people were usually at home mm -hmm. and not really putting in a full day's work. And people had the availability to talk more. And the other key is, I, it really taught me that I didn't need to spend $70,000 in office space. Mm -hmm. Because people, some people can really work from home. Like, personally, if I work from home one day, I can get three days worth of work done. Mm. Okay. Because it's no driving time. It's no stopping at Starbucks, talking to people. Yeah. It's no going to the uh, uh, country club and have lunch and kind of decide I want to go to my locker and change and play golf. It's just straight grind time. And some people are very well from home. Yeah. And, and I've been working from home since March and I found that, you know, you really have to be disciplined in your schedule and, and committing to your schedule while you are working from home because you at the house, you know, there may be some distractions. Um, I remember uh, my boys, they started off with virtual learning um, here in DeSoto County. And I struggled so much with my schedule with that because I have a six-year-old helping him yes. doing my work, conference calls, emails. But um, yeah. they've recently gone back to school and the adjustment is still kind of, mm, I'm still trying to figure it out. Even though they're not here, I don't have those distractions, but I'm still trying to figure it out. But I do like working from home better. Yes. Do you? I do, but the only thing about it is 
I've been in this industry for two decades and I'm so acclimated just being out. Yeah. You know, I thought I couldn't sit still for two hours. You know, I'll be somewhere two hours. I go, oh, gotta go to the go office. Oh, I go to the other office. Where you about to go? About to go to, I just gotta go. I can't sit still. Yeah. yeah. Now, has home. your social life changed much um, with COVID? Um, no, really just only uh, maybe Capitol Grill, Country Club, and Patio at Home anyway. Never yeah. really just go out into social setting, period. We usually have just people to come to the house. So that, yeah. that hasn't yeah. really changed. Wow. Well, I know something has changed. You recently uh, tied the knot. I want to say congratulations. Look, he's showing off that ring. Congratulations. How do you feel? Uh, Complete. Yes, complete. Complete, yes. Because uh, I have someone that loves me more than I love myself. And this is what um, God wants us to do you know as far as when you're dating or engaged and doing certain things you still have that little bit of you know little uneasiness about yourself but you know being married i feel like i'm completely whole but which she makes me whole and then again i'm doing all the things of god's will yes and you look very happy you look very happy and i saw you cutting up doing them dances at your uh reception on social media Like, I, I don't know if everybody know you a dancer. <laughs> hey, but I dance all the time. I it's, see. It's yeah, I love to sing, but I can't carry a note in the backpack. But you could do the moves, though. I got the moves. I can nilly vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I also uh, see that you and your new wife started a new company, Turnkey Enterprises. Tell us about that. It's a uh, logistics and also a real estate company. And it works a few ways. We own a few um, trucks and we also own real estate. But there's also another side to it where, where we'll take someone that, um, that doesn't have the financial backing or that's not business savvy enough when it comes to getting LLCs and getting properly set up to run a business like a 500, Fortune 500 company instead of a hamburger shack in Indianola. Mm, the mind pass, honey. Okay. So just, so- just to do it the right way. Okay. So you walk them through everything from beginning to end, um, setting the foundation uh, the correct way, I would say. Yes. Coaching, mentoring, developing. Yes. Okay. And, and how long have you all been in business with Turnkey Enterprises? You want to know something uh, crazy? We got our LLC three weeks after Hello. Really? Yes. Wow. So you knew you wanted to do this. Yes. Wow. And has business been good? Business has been great. Yes. The logistic company is better than the real estate company because, you know, with real estate, it's one of those things where you can't just pull it out the sky. Mm-hmm. It has to be opportunity. It has to be room for profit. And it also has to be a deal where uh, real estate is available to purchase. Okay. Okay. Now, with Turnkey Enterprises, does Marcus T. Turner and Associates still exist, or is there like a balance between all of that? Um, the answer is yes, but uh, Turnkey Enterprises is something that's turnkey, meaning gotcha. that we have it set up that even if we probably visit it an hour a day, which we have a vision board in our home office, we visit it an hour a day, and other than that, it's uh, it's turnkey. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. 
Well, I wish you the best of luck with this new business. And, you. you know, something that has recently happened is we now have a new president-elect and VP-elect. Like, this mm -hmm. just happened, right? Biden yes. and Harris. And yes. um, when you went voting, did you have any issues? Were you in a long line? Did you do early voting? How did that process go for you this well, year? Absentee voting, so it was uh, easy okay. for me. Yes. Okay, so it was easy for you. So now we know who the winner is. Um, you know, what do you think uh, our outlook is now for just our economy, um, our social setting? Because, you know, if you look at the media, it, it's, it, it, and depending on what you look at, if you look at Fox News or if you look at MSNBC or CNN, there's so much different information going on right now, yes. even with, you know, people saying, well, we still don't know the results because they're still counting votes um, and voter fraud and things of that nature. You know, what do you think is going to happen next? Because 2020 has been full of surprises, Marcus. Yes, it has been. Uh, two parts to this. The first part is um, the new president-elect. I truly believe within my heart that he's going to bring unity to us okay. because we look at it as a team. We're still a team. We yeah. have Republicans and we have Democrats, just like you have on the football team, offensive players and defensive players. And we still are a team. Mm -hmm. And I believe now we will be more so coming as one, as far as one nation, no matter where you're from, what race, you can be from Africa, you can be from New Mexico, you can be from wherever, Europe, France, wherever you want to be from and you currently live here, I truly believe there will be unity. With unity, we can work more towards the same common goal and being a stronger uh, country. Yeah, it, it seems like now we're on the road to getting our humanity back, in my opinion, like because yeah. so yeah. much has been lost and just crazy this past year um, a lot of ups and downs this year for everyone a lot of big adjustments pivots but i am happy to see the results of yeah. you know this new presidency and i'm hoping them democrats get it together baby and, and do the work they got to yeah. do the work though <laughs> and, and on the other part as far as the balance not being counted and all those things a firm belief that i have within myself is i don't worry about anything because the worst things that's happened to me, if they wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't be the man I am today. Mm. You know, my mother used to ask me, and she don't ask me anymore because she asked me, only asked me for five years to read the scripture. Um, weapons may be formed against me, but they won't, pro they won't prosper. And the thing about it is when situations happen, like they happen, you know, last four years, God turns weapons into tools. Some people think that weapons just supposed to die and they won't work against you, but God will also make your enemy a footstool. Sure will. Even when things yeah. happen, we feel like our adversity to us, God is putting us in a position to leap and to fly fearlessly. So mm -hmm. he got it all. It doesn't matter what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we covered. We covered, <laughs> baby. Yes. yes. Okay. And you know what I've noticed since we've been conversing that you have a very deep spirituality so it seems like you have a real closeness with God. Tell me about your spirit, spirituality, Marcus. Uh, grew up at Kojic Church. You know, uh, Pastor Elijah Walker, I'll never forget. I go on a Friday, used to stay in church. 
Mm-hmm. And one thing I always remember is the Holy Ghost and people falling out. He touched the people. And I used to hate when my mother would get her hair done. He would put her hand, his hand all her hair. No, my mom just got it. So, uh, <laughs> but I tell you what, I went through a, a situation where it was um, one of the most challenging, unfavorable situations I've ever had in life. And usually when I have something, I run to partying or drinking and all this kind of stuff. So God got my attention. He said, I got you now. Mm. he grasped my attention and he said try me he said I don't care how much you party or how much you drink or and hang out and whatever he said try me he said now I got your attention and ever since then um, about 40 months ago everything's been going in the right direction I never worry about anything I always throw my hands up at it and no matter what comes against me it's always for the betterment of me but when, when, when things happen to you, you have no one else to turn to. When mama can't pray for you enough, when you can't listen to Joel Osteen enough, God say, come try me. Yes. I know, I know you believe in me, but don't but don't get a relationship with me to get something out of me. Get a relationship with me because I'm your father. Mm. And since that's been happening to me, God has blessed me beyond my wildest measures. I've never dreamed of having this life that I have now. And no matter what things happen, no matter how many people throw stones, they, it, it, even if it strike me, it strike me for a lesson. I lose 2,000 a game, 20 million. Mm, That's why one thing you said about, uh, as far as me being married, even though I wasn't married, I was, I was having, you know, different situations as far as dating. And I just always felt like I was being convicted. When I got married on the day I said I do, I truly felt like my pie and my chart was whole. And especially by me having a, an amazing mother-in-law too. When they first met, things were as if they were long-lost sisters. So uh, so that's my, my, why my beliefs are so strong because God is real. I believe in God more than I believe in myself, my mother, my wife, my kids, or anything. Because what for him, ain't no way I could have came out of the most challenging situation unfavorable situation and still be here. I went through hell smelling like growing up and came out smelling like creep. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> wow. You know what? It's often that we go through some of our darkest times and, you know, really find God and it, it could definitely change your life. It could, you know, have that relationship with him. Like you said, don't call on them when you want something. You have to have that daily, nightly relationship with them. Yes. yes. Amen. 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 Okay, yes. Marcus. So let me ask you this. What does Marcus do uh, to unwind? What, when you're not doing insurance, you know, when you're not with turnkey enterprises, what you do for fun? Uh, spend time with family. Okay. And, and our days are very consistent. Uh, my wife usually makes it home around six, and when I hear the garage coming, I'll uncork the champagne and celebrate life. Okay. And, I, and I'm, I'm usually cooking every day, spending time with What you home. cooking? What you over there cooking? Oh, my goodness. Um, if you name it, I could cook it. Usually, uh, greens, collard greens, uh, not collard oh. greens. My mama gonna say, boy, you lying. Uh, cabbage <laughs> greens, yams, cornbread, chicken, uh, steak, I love the grill. Oh, mama taught you how to cook? Yes. Mama taught me how to cook and how to love. Good, good, good. Marcus, tell us what your biggest motivation is. Um, biggest motivation is, I can tell you what, what 
how, how I got my biggest motivation. My mother asked me for a hundred dollars one time. I wasn't able to give it to her. And I was like grown, I was big boy, like 19 years old. And that was, I think that was the most hurt I've ever been, most disappointed I've ever been. And I said that that never happened again, even though I had situations where it's been unfavorable. But I haven't had uh, many financial challenges as an adult. But the biggest motivation is being able to do things for my mother because she went through so much with us. You know, uh, mother and father uh, got divorced when I was 11, and the dynamics of the household changed. Because my dad, my mother never paid any bills. Mm-hmm. Never paid any bills. So uh, when he left and uh, had another family, the dynamics of the household really changed. So my biggest motivation is always doing things for my mother. You know, and the, the best thing about it is she opens them with open arms and she appreciates every single thing that we do for her. So just provide her with a life beyond measure is my big, even before my boys, you know, I never had a problem with a financial situation with my boys, but with my mother, uh, just giving her the world yeah. is my biggest motivation. And she, and she thinks I can call her right now and say, mom, we're going to get three offers. No, babe, I think y'all should get 30. God, damn it. <laughs> I know she's, she's always your leader. Yes, and she's always pushing us to do better than we ever thought that we can do. I don't care what it is. You can tell mama, hey, mama, I'm going to save, I don't know, a million dollars this month. Baby, I think you saved three. You know? <laughs> and you go for it. Yeah, she never say, well, I don't think you should do that, baby. You know, if it's something you're going towards the goal. So she's my biggest motivation. Wow, amazing. Marcus Turner from Indianola, Mississippi. Indianola, I tell stand up. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Verbally Effective Podcast. We've learned so much about your journey, um, your relationship with your mom, your new wife, um, your businesses, the insurance business as a whole. I just want to thank you for joining me today. And I also want you to let everyone know how they can get in touch with you or follow you on social media. Um, You know, just give your handles out. And if they may want to do business with you, you put something on their mind today about insurance. Let everybody know your information. Yes. Um, Facebook will be Marcus Turner. Instagram will be at Allstate King. Telephone number 901-281-4732. All right. Well, thank you so much, Marcus Turner, for joining me for episode. Congratulations again. Thank you. Look, South by Southwest, here we come, right? Everybody go vote. Yes, go vote. And look, I I need you to send a prayer up for me because you look like you covered and I need that prayer energy you got. So I need you to help me out with them prayers. Hey, congratulations (laughs) in advance. Thank you so much, Marcus. You have a wonderful day. You too. Have a blessed one.